Welcome, everyone. Today, oh, today <laughs> is Thursday, March 9th. It's a payoff podcast. I'm Will Foley. Matt Press here. I am Matt Seabree. It's early in the morning. This is, oh, tied for the earliest we've done a podcast with uh, when we, before we, oh, our last podcast when we. Oh, yeah, Minnesota. you're right. You're right. How are you That guys? was also, was that a Thursday too? Yep. Back-to-back wow. Thursday morning recordings. This there we is go. real. I mean, we're usually Monday afternoon, so it's, yep. I think we're thrown off here. Yeah. Uh, how are you guys doing this morning? A little tired. Had a, had a class already, but I'm doing good. I'm ready for a good episode. Yeah, same. A little tired. Uh, ready to be on spring break. I don't know. Do you guys have Friday classes? I have one. I have one, but we're watching a movie, so. Oh, okay. Well, not mine's, mine's not that either. So we're we're all very close to being on spring break. Correct. Uh, a little S- little midterm to do. Save for that shout midterm. Out, yeah. Shout out Mar- water in the Midwest. <laughs> shout Matt out our Rita. professor, uh, Erica. Erica Barrow. Yep. There we go. Um, she never says her last name, so I don't know if it's Barrow or Barrow, and apologies if she listens to yep. this, which I don't think she does. Nope. But that would be wild. She if even she did. like she talked about how she likes following the women's basketball team and yeah. then she also was like oh well i don't read the ids yeah and Which, it's like well like you can like there's nothing wrong with it <laughs> she did ask how our trip was to minneapolis though. she did speaking she, of which we were in minneapolis uh indiana women's basketball played two games which was probably less than expected it beat michigan state after a sloppy start and then uh something else happened in, in, yeah, uh, <laughs> Big Ten tournament semifinals. They they fell to Ohio State, who then fell to Iowa, who won the Big Ten championship. Just to give you, if I hope we're not breaking that news to you. Um, if we are, uh, Caitlin Clark was the best player of the tournament. She was named that. Um, no surprises. <laughs> no, that, that's the brief overview, Kevin. If I have to recall it off the top of my head, I think she had. 31, 17, and 10 in the Big Ten Championship. I know she had a triple-double. She scored Ohio State in the first half. <laughs> yep. It was it was brutal. It was brutal. Um, Indiana was up 24 with a minute 12 left in the second quarter. Are we talking about that game first? And a loss by four. We can start with Michigan State. Let's start with Michigan State. Um, Michigan State. Ugly start for for Indiana, for Indiana, if I can speak. Nine seed Michigan State against Nine one seed IU. That was, but yeah. Um, Michigan State comes out first, wins the first quarter, twenty four to fourteen, and things were not looking good. No, <laughs> Michigan State was one of Indiana's two losses on the regular season. Feisty again in the Big Ten quarterfinals. Kamaria McDaniel. Again, absolutely cooking Indiana. Basically the entire game, she finished with 32-7. and seven, uh, 3 of 3 from the line, 11 of 18. And yet again, Indiana just didn't really have any answer for her, regardless of how they set up on defense. And then offensively, outside of kind of Sarah Scalia, who back in her home state was a monster, 20 points against Michigan State, Indiana really didn't do a ton on offense in the first half. They cut it to six. Yeah, they cut it to six by halftime, but just really slow offensively and not a ton 
was working on defense. But and it's kind of a rough way for this to happen, but kind of Keandra Brown going down with that hip injury sort of coincided with Indiana's comeback. It seemed like it kind of sparked them a little bit. They huddled up after and kind of seemed like they had a moment where it was like, we got to go. And then from there on, second half completely took over. Indiana had 35 in the fourth quarter. Yeah, the really ending of that game that. was really stupid. It was a weird ending. Because um, it was like a, the game was decided. It was like a 10-point game. Mm-hmm. And Michigan State started fouling with like two and a half minutes left. It felt like I, – I might be exaggerating a bit there. Um, but it felt like that at well, least. Um, and as a result, IU just kept going to the line. Uh, Sarah Scalia had the quietest 20 points ever in that game. Like in the first half – she hit three threes, I think it was. Uh, hit four total threes. She was clearly doing well, but it was like she just got to 20 because she hit like eight threes in the fourth quarter. If, or eight, pardon me, free throws. <laughs> wow, in the eight threes in the, that would <laughs> in the be, fourth quarter would, that would be, be Steph Curry-esque. Um, overall, though, yeah, I mean, the Keandra Brown point is a great point. Um, it... it Terry Morin after the game, her quote was, I don't know if it was a rallying cry with uh, KB, but these kids are resilient and this group really came together. We love KB and this is a group that their chemistry has been off the charts. So certainly there was probably some discussion of being worried, but also wanting to take care of business that we had in front of us. Um, So that's what Terry Morin said after the game about it. Um, Yeah, as you said, certainly felt like that kind of changed things. Immediately went on a 9-0 run after that. Um, yeah, it was it was an uncharacteristically bad start for IU, but a very characteristically, I don't know if that's the right, uh, even a word, but um, the third quarter run, I mean, those third quarter adjustments, those halftime adjustments and coming out in the third quarter and winning it felt like they've always done that all season. Um, there were, like, I don't even know if I really realized this until it right now, not even after the game, a combined 67 free throw attempts since Michigan State got 31 trips Unreal. to the line. Uh, shout out, Chloe Moore McNeil went 9 of 10 in the last minute from the free throw line. She also had a career new career high 19 points. She had 11 assists and one turnover. She played tremendously that game. Um, Matt... Zebra, you wrote about Mackenzie Holmes for this game, correct? Yep. Yeah, she had twenty seven. She kept she was really who kept them alive in the in the first half. And then down the stretch, she uh she fouled out. She had foul trouble, so the rest of the Hoosiers were kind of picking up the load. And um, it was kind of another thing <laughs> that uh contributed to the slow start. Kind of in just in the first half was Grace Berger and Sydney Parrish. Uncharacteristically bad games on offense. They combined for 14. Uh, Sydney Parrish hit two threes in the second half, but net, they didn't really get a ton going, which if Grace Berger and Sydney Parrish aren't doing much on offense, you're bound to have a lot of struggles overall. But um, they got enough from Moore McNeil and Holmes to be able to right the ship, but that was not a way they wanted to start the tournament at all, obviously. And we would see how it would into the next round yeah so they did survive that obviously however and uh in the next round 
they played the winner of Michigan versus Ohio State, um, which that game itself had a very interesting ending. Um, where it looked <laughs> there was like, a foul. <laughs> it looked like there I'm might be – well, first there was a jump ball, and then it looked like yep. there might be a foul or three that were committed against Michigan. Um Definitely an interesting ending. Kim Barnzarico did not uh, seem happy with it afterwards. Can't say I blamed her. Um, but yes, Ohio State moved on to face IU for the third time this season. The first two matchups, obviously, IU pretty handily getting the best of Ohio State um, and came out, looked like they were going to do that again a third time. Um, so. In the Michigan State game, like, Grace Berger could not buy a bucket. Like, it, it just uh, – the ball would not fall in the basket for her. And I was watching her pregame, Matt Price and I, we, sh- we shared the same opinion that she was locked in on another level. And she came out and just was hooping. Like, she had seven in the first quarter. Um, they ripped off – what was it? Was, was it 12-12? She scored seven of their first eight points in yes, general. Yes, yeah. like she just came out hot. And yeah. then in terms of IU, it was 12 to 12, and then IU holds Ohio, State's, run. Yeah. Uh, holds Ohio, Ohio State scoreless for the last 534 of the first plus the next 206 of the second. Um, it was 28 to 12 in like a blink of an eye. They were just hitting everything. And, yeah, the lead got up to 24 with a little over a minute left. By halftime, Indiana's up by 20. I'm not going to lie, and I'm sure other people thought the same thing. I thought the game was over by halftime, which probably isn't a crazy thing to say. As someone who had written uh, about 500-plus words planning on just having that be a recap and thought I was going to just have to focus on the first half because nothing in the second half would matter, yeah, Uh, I'll include myself among the people who didn't think this game was going to end up having a second half like it did. It was just so lopsided in the first half in every aspect of the game. And then... Well, then Sidney Parrish comes out, hits a three, and I was like, like, oh, man, this game's over. And then Ohio State (laughs) brings a full-court press, and then things take a turn, I guess you could say. (laughs) Because, and it was... Obviously, that was the major talking point because Ohio State, it wasn't like a new thing that they were going to press. They did in the other two matchups. Indiana completely exposed them. But this time, Terry Morton said it was a little different in that they guarded the inbound a little harder and then just completely denied the reversal. And it was so excruciating to watch every single inbound pass. Just someone gets suffocated in the corner and there's just nothing anyone could do. And... That was, yeah, really, really rough third quarter. Uh, wrong game. Ohio State, 26, or 20, sorry, 27 17. Third quarter. So they kind of cut in on the deficit a lot in that third quarter. And uh, you want to talk about the fourth a little bit, Matt Sieber? Yeah, well, the thing was, they. Uh they had cut the lead lead down to four points there in the third quarter at one point, and it looked like they might erase the entire 20-point lead in a single quarter. Uh, however, IU goes on a little bit of a run there at the end of the third quarter, brings the score back up to a 10-point game. Um, 
But then Ohio State keeps pressing into the fourth quarter. Uh, part of that press also, Grace Berger and Terry Moore mentioned afterwards, J.C. Sheldon was healthy for Ohio State, and having her back, um, a, you know, a, a pretty long athletic uh, a guard who is a really good defender, having her back really helped Ohio State have the ability to change up how they were pressing, which, uh, you know, forced so many of those traps and turnovers. Um, and then in the fourth quarter, it, it I mean – it just <laughs> yeah I, I don't really know uh it oh it, it's there were a couple times where uh iu it kind of looked like they had they'd finally swung momentum back you know regained momentum righted the ship a little bit they'd have a shot down a shot here down late um but every time someone got a bucket uh be it Graceberger or Mackenzie Holmes, or it was usually one of those two. Uh, it just felt like Ohio State came right back out and got two more buckets uh, in, you know, as big of momentum swings. And, yeah, uh, traded leads until the final minute. Mackenzie Holmes, uh, who Terry Morin said was not 100%, and I don't think that was shocking uh, watching her. Um, she put IU – Puts IU up by a point with 45 seconds left, allows Ohio State to come back, take the lead again, and then uh, suffocating defense and some Buckeye free throws seal it. And that wrapped up the 24-point comeback for Ohio State. Largest in Big Ten tournament history. Largest between two Big Ten teams in any women's basketball game. Full stop. Ever. Um yeah, and then tied for largest of any Big Ten game. Yes, in, in, in against any opponent. Correct. Um, I I can't remember. Uh, Iowa, West Virginia. Wow, what a poll! Will Foley from downtown. Yeah, so shout out, Chris Masters. <laughs> sure. He was the, the Big Ten. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Shout I think, out. Shout I think Chris. he was. He was. Yeah. Information director. Well, for... shout out them. Thank you, Minneapolis, for the hospitality and the great, yeah. great city. Yeah, Good great city. tomato soup. Oh yeah, the that was yeah soup. the grilled cheese and tomato soup was stopped here. We uh, did miss roast food. beef. We did, which on, was apparently uh, really good. Yeah, on Saturday, but we wanted to get on the, the road. H E double hockey sticks out of there. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Okay. nine fourth quarter turnovers for Indiana. Sheesh. It it was just. Before we started recording, Matt Seabree and I were talking about this. Um, it's it's hard to describe actually being at the game what it like felt like, yeah. but it just felt like y- there was something inevitable happening, and you yeah. could literally do nothing to like a disaster, and you just could not stop it. It is. I I was yeah as I was saying to Will before we hit record I've had a few people a few friends of mine who you know fellow media school folks, um, who came up and asked me like what was watching who were watching the game on TV and they were like what was watching it in person like like how was that, um and it just it felt like very much like a car crash in slow motion where it's like you can tell exactly what's gonna happen but you can tell nobody on the court has any. Like they just—it's just one of those moments where they just can't do anything to stop it, and uh, you know Terry Morin um, afterwards 
definitely took the blame for not being able to break the press. She she said, you know, she maybe thought she should have uh, called a timeout earlier, tried to get them under control more. Um, but she also tr- said she trusted her players' decision-making, um, which I thought was interesting, um, just kind of how she balanced those two things. And it, it'll be interesting to see if teams do that move, that kind of aggressive press uh, moving forward. But um, you did mention the nine fourth-quarter turnovers, and uh, I, I went back and looked it up. I had made a note from the beginning of the season. Terry Morin said she wants to, just as a general baseline for every game, wants to keep turnovers uh, under 11. Yeah. Nine in one quarter. Nine in one quarter is not how you uh, keep turnovers under 11. But, yeah. so. And, yeah, you mentioned teams in the future. I, I would see no reason why they wouldn't do the same thing Ohio State did because Indiana just had absolutely zero adjustments, which was kind of surprising because they've been such a good second-half team all year, especially third quarter making halftime adjustments. So that was one thing that was surprising to see. And then I think coaching was part of it, but also it just seemed like Ohio State wanted it more, which is yeah. like dumb to say, but it's kind of true, is that in you can kind of chalk it up to they needed rest if you want, but Ohio State definitely was more energetic. They were flying everywhere, and Indiana was just slower, Yeah, it looked like. So... I mean, there's that. But one positive I will take from that game, Lily Meister, I think, is going to be a really, (laughs) really good player. She's a freshman right now, and she was kind of forced to play a lot more than she normally would because Mackenzie Holmes had some early foul trouble. And Lily Meister held her own. I mean, the stats, six and seven rebounds, but she looked pretty good against a really good team in the Big Ten semifinals. So I think that's one silver lining maybe yeah i mean she's the thing with uh, lily meister's been you know coming off the bench for the minutes when mackenzie holmes is not playing which has not been a lot um and next season uh lily meister probably won't get a lot of minutes either just because mackenzie holmes coming back it's there's nowhere (laughs) there's there's only one uh five spot on the team uh on the court at one time um and uh, but that being said, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see presumably Lily Meister move into the starting lineup in a couple years and what she looks like then. I mean, when she's already showing this kind of promise her freshman year and she's just going to spend another year learning behind Mackenzie Holmes. Uh, yeah, that's real long-term stuff, but very, uh, very interesting to watch. Yeah, all thought dump. Um I can work backwards. First of all, I think Lily Meister is the best rebounder on the team. She's a better rebounder than Mackenzie Holmes is in the post. She, both offensively and defensively, she's she's a beast on the boards, man. Her positioning was, especially on offense, was really good. She was getting a lot of she gets for and she got like a key and one against Michigan State. Uh, she got some some big buckets. Uh, going back to the game, which is just a joy to do. Um, where was I go? Oh, I I just have some thoughts like, like you talked about how Morin was taking the blame in the press conference. I would like to place the blame on both Terry Morin and the players. Now, this is a hard thing to do because again, this is a team that has now lost three games this season as opposed to winning twenty seven games. Um, 
But I just thought on the coaching aspect, one, I thought Terry Morton should have called a timeout earlier, which she addressed in the press conference, because like they were just so rattled and she was she just refused to let Ohio State like win in that matter. She was she was like, Nope, we're either gonna figure it out or we're just gonna lose and they lost. Real quick, I'm going to interject to about something you said a second ago, how Lily Meister is the best rebounder on on the team. The stats back that claim up wholeheartedly. Uh, rebound percentage where, you know, it, it just calculates uh, basically every time there's a rebound, what percentage of the time when you are on the court that you get the rebound. It's a pretty basic stat. But um, Mackenzie Holmes at about 14%, which is really good. Uh, Lily Meister at 20.6%. Wow. Uh, on decent usage. So um, uh, that was an interjection. Sorry. Go back to what you were saying. But uh, it ba- stats back you up. There we go. Um, yeah, I just thought Terramorn should have called a timeout earlier. I also thought this is going to sound harsh. It's, it's an over-exaggeration. Like, I'll say it already, but that was the worst press break design I'd ever seen. Are you <laughs> kidding was... me? There was no screens. They just, like, cut to the corners, which is exactly where they wanted you to go. And it's like, and even when they did catch in the corners, like, yes, Ohio State was denying the reversal, but if you can get the pass off quick enough, you just turn and throw it, you can reverse it. And they, like, were moving in slow motion. Yeah, it seemed like, and there were definitely, when they were able to break it, it was because they grabbed it and quickly passed it. Um, And... I think they did a pretty good job of that, but I think going back to, you know, an earlier point where it just felt like Ohio State was playing with more energy, it it just, there were some times where it felt like it didn't really matter what IU did, just the moment they caught the ball, like a player did not have the physical time to like turn and fire a pass, it just, there was not enough time there before the defense collapsed, which... It was, um, yeah, there were definitely times where I felt like Terry Morin could have used a timeout to kind of calm them down a bit. But, uh, yeah, um, I, I, there are part of that, I think, I think you have to give a lot of this game just to Ohio State yeah, doing really, course. really, really well. Um, yeah, they, they – this is a – kind of an aside but Cody McMahon is a fun player to watch I just just in terms of players I enjoy watching play basketball Cody McMahon is so fun to watch um she just she plays with I don't know how to explain it other than a clear joy for basketball that's it I don't I don't that's that's the most uh, vague analysis I could ever give she's smiling on the court she is she didn't even have the best game no no after she caught she caught a flying knee from Oh, from that Paris, was yeah. From Parrish, Inci- yes. Like it was incidental. Yeah. Like it was. Yeah. She was diving for a ball. Uh, well, Sydney Parrish was trying to like scoop it. Um, and just they didn't see where each other were coming from. It, but she stayed in the game after that, which was very impressive. But Dog. going back to a point you kind of just made about uh her, she was matched up on Mackenzie Holmes for a lot of the game, mostly the mm-hmm. second half, and despite being listed as a guard. Uh, six and foot. a six foot guard, um, Cody McMahon, like handled, like she, I wouldn't say she dominated by any means, but she definitely handled Mackenzie Holmes. She was, Mackenzie Holmes was visibly frustrated. Yes. Being guarded by yeah. Cody McMahon. And like, 
Connie McMahon, not as tall uh, by any means, but she's got, I mean, her wingspan, I don't know what it is, but it's got to be pretty similar to Mackenzie Holmes. And just her strength is clear. Like, she's as strong as Mackenzie Holmes, uh, despite being smaller, which is, uh, yeah, it's, she's a very, very talented player. Now, this ties into, I, I, I was finished with my coaching rant. <laughs> now, going to the players, again, like you just mentioned, a lot of this has to go to Ohio State. Their press was brilliant. Uh, Cody Mann was awesome on Mackenzie Holmes. For how smart this Indiana team is, especially with his ball handlers, this was the dumbest I've ever seen them play. Like, oh, there were just so many moments. Like, down the stretch, um, even Chloe Moore McNeil, who has, like, the third best assist to turnover ratio in the country. Like, she would try to, from the corner, try to jam in, like, a lob pass over the top of Cody McMahon, who would front Holmes most of the times. And it was just a terrible pass to make because that's exactly what they wanted. Um, breaking the press, they, like, players knew. There was a t- there was a one point where I called timeout, and I watched Sidney Parrish walk up to Graceburger and say, we don't want to throw there because Graceburger ran to the corner. But then they would just keep throwing it to the corners. Um, you had the moment where IU called a timeout to avoid a five-second violation just to get a five-second violation out of the timeout. Even sometimes when they broke the press, I can recall a couple moments where, like, I remember McMore, Moore McNeil doing, Chloe doing this on the left side where instead of turning back to go to the middle, she just kept driving baseline and just, like, lost it or got trapped, like... It was just so uncharacteristic of all of the ball handlers. Like, let's see, turnovers, Garzon three, Moore McNeil four, Parrish four, uh, Berger two, Meister two, Scalia two. I, yeah. It was just like spread out. Everyone was throwing the ball over. They were all throwing them away, but I, I don't know. I don't know if it was so much dumb decision making as it was they were going for passes that historically this season have been like the defenses just can't get to. And this is just a really uh, just energetic and athletic athletic. That's a, yeah, it's just a, it's yeah, it's they were going for a lot of home run passes, but I don't think they were necessarily dumb passes. I think they were just optimistic passes that have worked in the past that just against this defense in this game did not, did not work. Yeah, and I think also they were probably just shell shocked to a degree, because I also compared it the second half to a car wreck, in my in my column on uh, idsnews.com. That, that must be where I got that from then. <laughs> and and that that because that, that is truly what it felt like. It was even what because when Will said even when they broke the press, things just kept snowballing. They would turn it over, like on like when they actually had offense set up, they would miss shots. And it just became one of those things where you just knew they were going to lose. And all kind of big picture thought dump a little bit. We gave them the benefit of the doubt after Iowa in the, reg- the regular season finale, which kind of rightfully so. That was may- – because that last sequence when Caitlin Clark hit the buzzer beater was maybe the first time all season, like, we truly questioned, like, a coaching decision about how they set up, which even – it was kind of minor, but still. And I think – Going from Michigan State, which was, for the most part, I think, kind of a rough showing, and then to losing a game like that, which which unprecedented comeback 
that they gave up. I'm not. I would be lying if I said I wasn't a little worried about their chances in um, in the NCAA tournament. So that's kind of a big picture thing because the lack of adjustment against Ohio State was just something we hadn't seen all year, and I don't know how they're going to go about remedying that. So that's that's my take on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I I would definitely uh, agree. The lack of adjustment there was. I don't know if it was a yeah the the inability to I guess uh, overcome that was uh, definitely something we haven't seen before. Um, feels like by the end of every game so far this season, they have pretty summarily beat their opponent in every aspect of the game, or at least shown that they're better than them in every aspect of the game. Uh, certainly didn't have that uh, against on Saturday. That that's the day it was. Um, Hold on, I want to interject. Like you also talked about, by the way, they were twenty-seven percent from the field in the second half. So, like, in addition to throwing the ball everywhere or just like losing the ball, uh, they shot some of their worst of the season. So that doesn't help. Yeah, it it just <laughs> felt it felt like they were just kind of rushed. Like they, like the moment caught up to them is what it felt like. Yeah, I think I think. Honestly, I think if they had had maybe an earlier timeout and just calmed down, I think they. I don't think it was. Yeah, I think that might have solved the whole thing. But again, uh, uh, the point, the larger point, I was trying to kind of get to is, I mean, these are pretty nitpicky things for the most part yeah. until now in terms of coaching and like. This is it, this the, is the national coach of the year, yeah, by the way. The 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 body of work for this team, uh, for this year, uh, for Terry Morin in particular, is is so great that it feels, um, yeah, it. it yeah. I I have full faith that uh, by the time tournament the tournament rolls around, this team will be you know clicking on all cylinders, and I I. I'm not going to call that a fluke game, but I just don't think what we saw against Ohio State is going to be repeated. We can transition that too because talking Speaking about of the NCAA body tournament and body of work and body of work. Sorry, didn't know where you were going with that. Um, according to ESPN's bracketologist, shout out Charlie Cream. Um, Indiana still projected as the number two overall. Well, presumably the number two overall seed. Because they are in the Greenville region, it could also be Stanford who's in Seattle, but that does not sound likely. I think, I think he has it ranked South Carolina, Indiana. I believe he has Virginia Tech as the third overall seed, and then Stanford is the fourth. Um, Iowa is a two in this situation. Um, Ohio State is a three. It'll be, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how that all plays out um, come Selection Sunday because Iowa jumped IU in the AP poll. Um, they're the two seed now. IU is the three seed. Uh, so it will be, whereas Charlie Cream doesn't even have Iowa as a one oh, seed. One. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how that all plays out. I I think we're all in consensus, though, and I think pretty much the country's in consensus that IU is a one seed. 
They they've if got not the number two overall. If the, if season. not yeah. the number two overall, they've got the second best resume uh, this season. South Carolina is unquestionably the one seed and will without Ooh. a doubt go in as the favorite to win it all. Um, they came into this season as a favorite. I don't know if this changed. I'm trying to remember, but this is this is WarrenNolan.com. I've talked about this before. Um, Michigan State, even at Michigan State, is considered a quad one loss. All three of Indiana's losses are quad one losses. Whereas, let's see, UConn has a quad two loss and four quad one losses. Um, both of LSU's are quad two or quad one, I guess. Stanford five quad one losses. That's be- Iowa six quad one losses. That's because it's on the road, right? Correct. That's how that works. It's, yeah, and Michigan State is like really they're like fortieth in the net, as opposed to like the RPI. Michigan State's like one forty. Gotcha. It, gotcha. I, I don't know how these metrics work, but I I don't really either. <laughs> um. But anyways, yeah, we'll. I think we'll probably preview the Big Ten, or pardon me, the NCAA tournament uh, later. Yeah, once we know what's what, what their path looks like. Um, we, yeah, just only discussion is like, is there any debate? Is Indiana not a one seed? No, <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> because because, especially important. I know this is a fact for the for the men's tournament. I assume the selection process is the same. Um, that however many years ago, not very many years ago, within the past 10 or 15, they took out, like, factoring in uh, recency bias, pretty much, as, to, like, oh, this team's really playing well, this team isn't playing well. Because if that were the case, then you could really make an argument that Iowa would be a one seed, IU would not. But And, yeah, the committee, I don't personally think should take the uh, conference tournaments too much into account because nope. the, the the entire body of work doesn't come down to a three-day tournament in consecutive days, which should be pretty obvious. Like, no matter how bad Indiana looked in the semifinal, their body of work is months and months. It's not one game in Minneapolis in a very, very fluky conference tournament, I might add. So even though we kind of overreact a little bit, and nitpick, it's still pretty obvious what they've done this entire season. Yeah, um, I, I agree. Uh, it, it's, uh, I guess, I I think we're all in agreement they should be a one seed. Is there any worry uh, that this team should have considering they've lost two of three now? Um, or do you guys think uh, just because those two losses came against very high-profile competition in very unique situations. I would say both of those games were the uh, Iowa game in Iowa City and then Ohio State and Minneapolis, obviously. Is there any worry that they're losing momentum? I know they, they obviously had a similar situation like this at the end of last regular season where they kind of had a, a bit of a slide there at the end. Um, they were obviously still able to make the Sweet 16, though. So. Um. Cherry Morin said this at the end of her press conference. This team is very excited to no longer play Big Ten teams, pretty much. Yes. I'm sure. And I think yeah. that plays a huge part of the tournament. Like, at a certain point, especially in the Big Ten, which, like, in every single sport just seems like 
you have to like do the most to win every single game. It's like the most brawl esque officiating massacres, all that all the jazz. Um teams are excited to not have to play <laughs> other Big Ten teams anymore. So I think like maybe you could question like the slide down the stretch. I think uh what are we looking at here? A week almost like a I'm trying to do like a 12 day break. It'll be a nearly two week break between like games. that is huge yeah. for this team's health for the, just like their mindsets. I think, um, I think they're fine. Yeah. Yeah. The only, I mean, I agree with that point because especially in the big 10, they truly just beat the crap out of each other in every single game. And we, we saw it kind of culminate in the big 10 tournament. But the only thing that worried me at the beginning of the season that hasn't truly gone away is a lack of athleticism which obviously it didn't really plague them at all in the regular season because they rolled through the top teams. But um, and I wouldn't say Ohio State exposed it, and that's the main thing now, but I think guard play, they're not the most explosive at all. And they, they would probably admit that too because they play more of a team-oriented game than most do, which has been the reason for their success. But I think a lack of athleticism overall is the only thing that still, I think, worries me a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's fair. But also, um, you, you both kind of just mentioned, or I guess the uh, a solution slash cause of both of the things you guys just mentioned is, you know, that exhaustion leading to maybe some of th- that exhaustion from the gauntlet of Big Ten basketball, maybe leading to some of that lack of explosiveness. Uh, and Terry Morin kind of talked about that at the very end of her presser uh, after Ohio State, where um, – you know, Mackenzie Holmes wasn't 100%. She mentioned that. Um, she also mentioned, she vaguely mentioned a few other people. So someone asked kind of how much do those 10 days mean? And in her response, you know, she said it's all of them. It's not just Mackenzie. Those are the thing, or pardon me, those are things that always stay in our program. They all need a break. Uh, and then she mentioned Coach Morin needs a break, talking about herself in the third person there. Love and, some third um, person action. Yeah. I'm and, all for and it. it, it it makes sense. It, it's been a gauntlet the end of the season. Um, quite frankly, I think we needed a little bit of a break as as reporters uh, yep. to, you know, school exists, um, I guess. And student reporters, baby. Student reporters. Do it at all. Uh, if, if anyone wants to offer me a job in a few <laughs> months, um, hit me up. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, it's, I think this break will really help them, uh, even more than other teams who are getting the same break. Uh, I think this is a team that just needs kind of a little bit of a break, a little bit of a reset. Um, and, uh, I think hitting that reset button will, uh, really allow them to, you know, come into the next chapter, next chapter of their season with a new sort of life. I have a question to pose. So, if you're Indiana and you're the one seed in Greenville, which of the two scenarios would you rather have? So, two seed wise, would you rather have UConn, who recently got Azzy Fudd back and is arguably the better team, or have to face Maryland? I'm not going to say Iowa. Because they're not putting IU and Iowa in the same region. But would you rather have Maryland, who's 
probably not as good of a team as UConn is, like at their full potential, but it's a Big Ten team, and they played each other a lot over the past few seasons, and it's just like kind of a kind of like a mindset mind game thing. I feel like I'd rather take Maryland in that case because I know obviously you don't want to see another Big Ten team, especially a team as good as Maryland. But UConn feels like a team that I mean they kind of struggled through the throughout the regular season, but they could get hot. And you you mentioned that they're getting some of their personnel back because they've had a lot of injuries. But I probably wouldn't want to see UConn. There's last year obviously Sweet Sixteen Indiana went out to UConn. But um, in Bridgeport, in, Connecticut, in, basically a home game. Yep. But still, I, yeah, I probably don't want to see UConn. Yeah, uh, I there's I don't. It's UConn. Like, even if they don't have Paige Beckers, even if they don't have Ice Brady, the people replacing those top five players, those are uh, Ice Brady and Paige Beckers are both top five players from their respective recruiting classes. The players replacing them because they are injured are also five stars who were like top ten in their respective recruiting classes. It's it's the best constructed team on paper. You uh, obviously they have injuries on paper. UConn is the best team in the country because they have just the best players. Uh, they don't have any of the like national player of the year candidates that are healthy right now. I should say Paige Beckers would be. I assume if she were healthy. Um, yeah, yeah. It's I don't, I don't. Like, it, Maryland is good. Uh, obviously, um, Diamond Miller is a top player in the country, but just yeah, outside of her, I don't see. Uh, I don't see a player that is on a level where you know could truly take over, score thirty points, change the game, which I think. In an elite eight scenario, you at least need the potential of that. Um, right now, UConn is the projected two in the Greenville region with Indiana. So, according to you guys, and I would agree myself, not the best outlook. Um, that being said, I would imagine IU would appreciate an opportunity to get some revenge there. That's true. That plays a plays a factor. Um, yeah, we'll do more tournament talk when the actual bracket gets out. Um, how we're going to do that, we can figure out if we get back that's early. That's a future problem. Yep, yeah. that's a future problem. Um, shout out St. Louis Billikens. <laughs> oh, yeah. 17 and 17, strolling into the NCAA tournament. Dancing. Uh, shout out Illinois State, Missouri Valley regular season champions. They're coming back for that back-to-back tournament appearances. Um... Shout out St. Peter's women's basketball. Oh, that's you, yeah. Matt. Steve lied to us. Well, I, I'll take some blame in this earlier. When we were talking about Hartford and Chicago State in a previous podcast, we talked about how the last uh, winless team had no longer been winless. That is not true. St. Peter's just finished an 0 30 season. That's yeah, they had like several close games too, that is including true. their most recent game where they got knocked out. That's, I, if, if, I feel bad for the St. Peter's Saint women's Peter's, basketball team. That's if you sacrifice all of your athletic success for one final four, did they make the final four? They made four? the Elite Eight. Okay, Elite Eight. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And then Duke. Okay. Yeah, I got it now. <laughs> one Elite Eight run. Um, 
I'm sorry. It was a great run. You beat Purdue, <laughs> so it but looked sick as is sick as hell. But you um, are the Peacocks also, which is like that's awesome. Also, is but also awesome. Uh, I guess. Okay, how about that? Uh, well, no, we'll do that next week. I guess. Um, any men's Big Ten tournament thoughts? How do you guys think Indiana will do on the men's side? Just curious. Um, I think they're making the championship again. Yeah, they they have a pretty favorable road to the championship. It's not that difficult by any means. But, um, yeah, I, I could s- definitely see them making the championship. How, how about this? As our, uh, Since we don't have any predictions we can really do on the women's side, our, our predictions for the men's side are who is going – what's the championship game of the Big Ten tournament for the men's and who wins it? I know we're all looking up the bracket yeah, right I'm now. Yes, I, I – um, I'll go first since, or well, you I'm, will, you clearly. I'm looking at it live right now while I'm, I'm watching Rutgers Michigan State oh right now. Um, you know, I'm going to, so I'm going to say Indiana makes it as the but three. But you mean Rutgers Michigan, right? What'd I say? Michigan State. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Michigan, okay. Michigan. Yes. I'm, I'm watching Rutgers and Michigan. Um, now gonna, you know exactly what time we're recording. Yep. Uh, Indiana makes it. They'll beat. Hot take, Minnesota's beating Maryland. Oh, There we go. Indiana beats Minnesota. Indiana beats, I'll say Northwestern gets there. Um, in the top, man. Michigan State gets there. Yep, that was mine. Um, oh. oh, man. Izzo versus Woody, who's oh, taking it? Oh, man. Trace is not losing that game. If, tra- if Trace gets to the... The Big Ten Championship, there's no way he'd lose. That's what I think. Can so, we bring the spittoon to that game? The the old yeah. brass spittoon. Just just have it just have it there. Sorry. That so, was yeah. Football talk. We had the we had the same championship. So only difference I I'll say Maryland will <laughs> we'll beat Minnesota. So Indiana beats Maryland. And then uh beats Northwestern. And then India so then uh Michigan State, I'll say takes down Purdue. So Michigan yeah. State, Indiana. I'll say Michigan State. Okay. Your Big Ten champions, Michigan State Spartans. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna have Purdue beating Michigan State here. Sure. That doesn't feel like a hot take, but apparently it is here. Um. So I've got Purdue in the championship. Man, you know how much I could see IU choking against as so, Northwestern. As, as, as three students who go to Indiana University. And who have experienced as someone who has lived in this state for my entire life. Uh Matt Prez and I were not here for this, but I actively watched Archie Ball. So I went to Archie Ball. There are some like there are some horrors. Did I go to Archie Ball? There are some horrors that like become expectations just because, you know, we've lived through them. Yeah. So yeah. Um I literally could not remember if I went to an Archie game because I just blotted it from my memory. <laughs> um, Archie Miller, you are not welcome on this podcast. <laughs> Actually, psych, you are. That would be really fun. Um, I have questions. <laughs> um, uh, anyways, yes, I've, I've got Purdue, and I'll, I'll say IU beats Northwestern. I don't think IU beats Purdue a third time. No, I've got IU losing to Purdue. In what I assume a building that would cause United Center to just combust. Uh, Three different winners. We did not predict that last we time. We didn't. You no. Both. 
You predicted Iowa. Yes. I predicted Indiana. I predicted Indiana. I did I did say if Iowa beat Maryland, then they were gonna win it. Yes. But I also said I, that Maryland I got it most right. I also said that Maryland was gonna beat Iowa, so. Alright. Um Yeah. Uh yeah. there we go. Uh most outstanding player then? Like mine would be Trace. Mine's I'm and yours would probably yeah, be Edie. Edie, yeah. Tyson Walker? I, I was gonna say Tyson Walker. Yeah. I was between Trace and Tyson Walker. I'll say Tyson Walker. He's gonna go off in the championship. Yeah. My hypothetical championship. There we go. Um, it's bracket season. Get we'll, excited, everyone. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll sleep we'll, in May. Oh, we'll, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah. The Indy 500's in May, man. You gotta we'll stay sleep in June. Yeah. We'll sleep in June. That's that's uh, baseball and WNBA season. We won't sleep. We won't we sleep. Won't that's sleep. actually most accurate. All right. Yep. That's about all you need from us. Until next time, we're out.